I used to love that movie. Please don't remake this. I have such fond memories of that film. Please don't remake this. Hey, Hollywood, if you want to be smart, just hire some writers to make some new art. And after our heart to heart, go make a new start. Please, God, please, God. Don't ruin my childhood. Please don't remake this. Please don't remake this. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Please Don't Remake This, the movie podcast where my guest of the week and I get nostalgic and talk about one of our favorite childhood movies. I'm Lauren Mosier, and today I have with me actor, singer, and visual artist from Louisiana, now based in New York City, and one of my former classmates from SU and one of my good friends, Amber Gatlin. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> How are you doing, girl? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain at the moment. Life yeah. is good. That's Despite good. pandemic, life is still good. <laughs> Seriously, it's it's funny how many people I've like caught up with through this podcast that are all like, you know, like with the pandemic, I don't know how to answer this question. <laughs> I always feel bad asking. You know, I feel like I'm in incubation right now. I feel like I'm in a <laughs> womb and I'm like you know, like kind of hiding away, like taking my time, taking things in, learning and growing. And then when I'm ready to emerge, I will be ready to emerge. Nice. That's how I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. Whenever the time comes, you will be ready. Yes. <laughs> uh, Finding patience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so for those of you listening, hopefully you all read the title of the episode, but we are talking about the one, the only, Oliver and Company, the 1988 animated movie from Disney before the Disney renaissance of the 90s of all those big hits that we all know. But this little itty bitty gem of a movie that is so fucking cute that you and I both grew up with heavily from what I understand. So you suggested the movie and why this movie for you? I did. I did suggest this movie. It's actually a really funny story. Um, how I started watching this movie is that when my grandparents would watch me when I was very small, they only liked to put on things that were G-rated. <laughs> my parents would let me watch PG or G, like we had all these animated films, but when my grandparents were watching me, it was only G-rated films. And so this movie is G-rated. Which um, I totally disagree with. I don't think it should be. <laughs> yeah, it gets so dangerous and scary, and like mm -hmm. the issues in it are very real. But I think it's um, America's obsession with like um, things being sexualized. Like, there's mm. not a whole lot of like romantic innuendos that you sometimes see in kids' films. Yeah. So I think it's. I think that because I did think about it and I think that's the reason that it's that's a, about that's, like friendship and the, things like that that's a really good suggestion I didn't even think about that but you're right there is no like romantic relationships in this it is purely right. platonic which is so rare for a kids movie to not have a romantic angle yes huh never thought about absolutely. that absolutely but that's so true but that's yeah, funny that's so your grandparents watched it with you Yes, my, my, my Ran and my Papa. Ran Aww. is very sick right now. Um, but, but yeah, they, they raised, they're both still alive. So I'm, I'm very lucky to have them still alive. But, um, yeah, but yeah, it was either this or VeggieTales. 
<laughs> and I love <laughs> you know I've never I seen know. Veggie Tales. You never seen any of Vegetarian? No, I've been any of Vegetales. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I've never seen any of them because they're religious, right? Are they like Christian or something? They are. They're all like rooted. I mean, except for maybe the silly songs. And honestly, like for a Christian-based uh, entertainment thing, like really high quality stuff, like really, really fun stuff. Yeah, I've always heard good things but, about um, it. Yeah, I just if, if I hadn't had this movie oh yeah yeah they're fun I mean I still think about those songs sometimes but if I didn't have this movie and if it was like just Veggie Tales in my mind growing up who knows who I would be you know yeah 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 so it was but yeah also because I love the music I mean it's so it is so funky fresh this music it is so jazzy it is so fun so I love the music in it growing up and, um, like, cats and dogs. I was always a really big animal person, so. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's a classic, classic kids movie. You gotta have good music and you mm-hmm. gotta have animals. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yeah, well, that's that's really sweet, though, that you were able to watch it with your grandparents and, and sending my best to your grandma. Um, I, I grew up with it. I don't know which one of my parents, like, decided to get it for us, because, of course, it came out before either my sister or I were born, so I, from what I remember, I think we had a VHS of it, and I remember watching this a million times when I was a kid. This was definitely a favorite of my sister and I's. Wow. And not everyone knows this one. That's really special. I know. I we share this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, growing up, I feel like, yeah, sure, like, we had the classics of, like, Little Mermaid and Aladdin and, like, the, the staples, you know, but, like, my sister and I were also, my parents had a lot of the 80s ones when they came out, and mm-hmm. so, like, we had this movie, we had, like, The Black Cauldron, like, we had some, Oh, I love The Black Cauldron. Me too. I love that. Watch it over and over again. Okay. I don't know why. I Girl, love it. We're going to do an episode on that movie then, because I love <laughs> that movie. And, um, it, yeah, so I, I, I watched this a million times as a kid, and I, you know what's funny is there's so many movies or TV shows from when I was a kid that were the reasons why I always wanted to move to New York City, and this is definitely one of them on the list. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It made New York look so cool, and, like, the possibility of, like, living with someone on Fifth Avenue, like, the possibility of just all of a sudden being wealthy, I, like, not even, I'm not even a cat. And I was just like, yeah, sure, that could happen to me, too. I don't know. Little kid brains, you know? It's so magical. I mean, I consider this movie to be, like, a kind of love letter to New York City. You know, (gasps) it definitely formulated a lot of how, what I assumed the city to be and what I, like, you know, the way I interpret, like, New York City culture. Like, there's so much there's so many bits and pieces of what New York City is in this movie. Yeah, they do a really Love good it. job of capturing the city, actually. It was kind of surprising watching it. I was like, oh, this is real. Like, this, they, they don't go for this, like, um, Wizards of Waverly Place kind of look of it, where it's, like, very sterilized. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this movie. And now you have a cat that looks like Oliver that I'm just going to yes, point out. I do. I do. I, that was... I mean, my only stipulation was I really would like to have a cat. And it was actually Sam who was like, oh, I really like the orange one. Can we get him? I love him. So Aww. so that's the reason we got um, Homer. He liked the orange one. That's but so yeah, cute. He's the sweetest. He is the sweetest kitty. I, 
I was holding him while I was watching this movie, like on the verge of tears, <laughs> like, oh, my baby. <laughs> do you want to shout out, because you have an Instagram account for Homer. Do you want to shout it out? People can follow. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> At Homer the Siberian. Please follow him. I'm trying to make him insta-famous. It's nothing but good vibes. I love how he sounds like a Viking or something. Homer the Siberian. <laughs> like <laughs> Homer the Siberian. Yes. Oh, my God. That's... He's very Russian. Yeah, I love that. It's so cute. He's such a cute kitty. Um, yeah. But let's go ahead and move into the stats. So like I said, 1988, G-rated. I don't know how it got a G-rating. It has some very inappropriate moments in it, like about the mafia and like a loan shark. And it's just like, ooh. Yes. Um, and it's dangerous. It gets dangerous. So dangerous. And the death scenes, we'll talk about it, but like the death scenes in this movie are rough. Like, wow. Um... And, um, of course, loosely, very loosely based on the Oliver Twist story. We all know and love, question mark. I've never read it. <laughs> um, Me neither. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is just a fun fact about the movie. The dance. So I made as, like, one of my notes. I was like, oh, the dog dancing in this, like, the choreography in this is actually pretty good. And it turns out they use Bob Fosse choreography as the inspiration. <laughs> No way. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, which I was like, of course, you guys, yeah, picked, like, the most New York of artists, like, for the choreo. It's perfect. I loved it. I was like, that's great. Um, But it was directed by George Scribner. Uh, It was written by uh, Jim Cox, Tim Disney, and James Mangold. And then the cast, long list of cast. We have Joey Lawrence as Oliver. We have Billy Joel as Dodger, which I'm still not over because the whole movie whole movie, I'm listening to Dodger's voice, and I was like, why don't I recognize his voice at all? Like, he has this kind of cool gag voice to him, but I was like, huh? And then discover that it's him, and I was like, oh, maybe I should have looked that up before the movie, because that seems something that just went way over my head. (laughs) And supposedly, I don't know, I didn't check up to 2021, but supposedly I think this is his only acting role he's ever done, playing a character not himself in a movie or TV show. Really? Yeah. Isn't that special? Which I was like, yeah, Disney has... He kills it. He kills this role. He does actually do a pretty good job, considering but what's funny, though, is after it, I was like trying to think about how much he actually said in the movie, and I was like, oh, Dodger doesn't actually talk that much. So they clearly only had him come in probably for like one or two days, like a weekend that probably snuck in to his music schedule and had sure. him record because he doesn't actually say much in the movie. Um, yeah, we but have... then again, like no one really leads the movie. Like it's it's very much like an ensemble type very, movie, you know. Very much so, very much ensemble, which is one of the reasons I think it's so endearing and so charming is because we yeah. really do get a little bit of everybody. Um, we have Cheech Marin as Tito, Richard Mulligan as Einstein, Roscoe Lee Brown as Francis, Cheryl Lee Ralph as Rita, Dom DeLuise as Fagin. Uh, Torian Block as Roscoe, Carl Weintraub as DeSoto, Robert Logie, Logie as Sykes, uh, Natalie Gregory as Jenny, William Glover as Winston, and to round it all out, the incomparable Bette Midler as Georgette. Yes, Georgette! Georgette! Georgette is a fucking vibe. Like, I want to get on her level. She's fucking amazing. And we'll get into it now with the superlatives. So let's just go ahead and kick it off with Best Dynamic Duo, which I have a couple of nominations. I have 
the I have like an honorable mention and then the actual winner in my mind. So honorable mention is Oliver and Dodger, specifically for the scene where Oliver goes over to Dodger's bed and curls up next to him and Dodger like sees him and then just like sleeps with him. And I was like, <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I love dogs and cats getting along. <laughs> and then the winner for me, obviously, is Jenny and Oliver. I mean, they are so cute together, and how much they care about each other is so fucking adorable. And in the end of the movie, when they, like, finally get to be together and live this lavish life, I'm like, oh, I love you guys. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely um, Jenny and Oliver. I actually wrote down two completely different ones, though. Mm. Who'd you um, write? Um, I wrote down Tito and Francis. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, why them specifically? Because they just, like, when I think of a dynamic duo, because I was thinking it, like, in terms of, like, the collective gang, you know? Like, oh, yeah. uh, Fagin's gang. Mm-hmm. Like, Tito and Francis are always they kind s- of nitpicking at each other, and their scenes are so funny. Like, when I think of this movie... And, like, the dialogue scenes, I think of Tito and Francis and And, them, like, playing at each other. And they literally steal the movie. I mean, every scene they're in is, like, about them. I mean, Francis, by far, was my (laughs) all-time favorite. Probably Francis is on my top five favorite animated characters ever now. Like, officially, he's just, like, just shot straight (laughs) to the top because I did not remember how fucking funny he is. And now, as an adult, I'm like, Francis is goals like I love him so much he's it's so cute so funny. he's, he's so, so funny dramatic. and oh, Tito man. and Georgette also I I just think that their little mini relationship on the side is just one of my favorite parts about the whole movie yeah and I love the ending I remember the ending so well when she like decides she's gonna like domesticate him and he's like oh no yes. and the sailor suit like where did she get that from <laughs> Oh man! Yes. Ugh, yeah. That that's a good suggestion. I didn't think of that. That that's really fun. I dig that a lot. Um, now that kind of leads us into class clown, like talking about how funny all these characters are. I just have a couple of nominations because they're the ones who really got to me. But Francis and Georgette in this movie, man, just like if they weren't in the movie, I wouldn't like it. Like they, it's because of them this movie for me is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, their flavors are just so. <laughs> I mean, it's just. I don't so even know extreme. how to describe it. They're just so extreme. Like they, yeah. they, they're like the early version. Actually, I did write that as a comment about Georgette. I was like, she's the early version of Isma. You know hmm. what I mean? From Emperor's New Groove? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, she sets up, I feel like, that archetype for Disney really well. That, like, over-the-top, lavish... I am perfection incarnate, and, like, that kind of vibe, I feel like, originated with this movie, between, like, both of them I would have never thought almost. about that. That makes a lot of sense, though. I thought about it instantly when she's getting out of bed looking all disheveled, and she's, like, putting on her makeup and fixing her hair. I was like, oh, this is so Isma. Oh, my God. Like, That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, um, her song is, uh... Oh, my God. Well, we'll talk about the songs later. Yes! Yes! Oh, I can't wait. Um... But then, did you have any nominations for Class Clown? Tito. 
It has has to be Tito in my mind. He's so funny. His little dance when he's dancing to his music, it kills me. It kills me. I love when he dances with um, Georgette at the end of the movie, and and he's like, hey, you got some moves. It's so cute. (laughs) That's so cute. Yeah. He's great. That's so true. Yes, adding him to the list. Um, Now we move on to the literal worst, which this is probably the easiest time I feel like I've done the literal worst because Mm -hmm. it's so obvious. So... My honorable mention is, of course, the Dobermans, um, DeSoto and Roscoe, and then the Mm. winner, obviously, is Sykes. I mean, what a villain. Like, just coming out of left field, kidnapping a child. (laughs) Like... I know. It's very extreme. It is very extreme. extreme. (laughs) Also, what was his plan if it wasn't a little kid? You know? Like, he doesn't know that it's a little kid who's coming to get the cats. Was he going to, like, kidnap a grown man? Or, like... Was he going to just, like, what was his plan? Was he planning on taking the money if it was an adult that showed up? Or, like, because that's all he could think about in that sequence when he takes her. Is I was like, wait, what would he have done if it was, like, a a grown man who had come and brought the money? Like, would he have just taken the money then and wouldn't have taken the person? Like, I was just very confused and very concerned. And for a kid's movie to just, like, have casual kidnapping like that, I was like, okay, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I think this this might go in spicy hot takes as well of like being a kind of up in the air question as far as plot. Oh and, yeah. Because um, a part of me is like, okay, does he just think that the cat itself is worth like millions of dollars? Like, I because when he does like look at the cat and he thinks, okay, this plan could work for me. See, it, it, I'm not really sure. I translated it as that he reads the tag and sees the Fifth Avenue address and knows that the cat belongs to a wealthy family, is how I interpreted it, and that he was just going to take advantage of the family. But it wasn't clear to me whether his kidnapping was always the plan or if he was just going to take the money and run. Yeah, maybe just get him to, you know... Like, have a mugging, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it was... Honestly, I can't tell you. It was very dramatic, and I was I was concerned. <laughs> it was it was a lot. Um, should we move on to where are they now? Yes. All right. Well, I just wrote down a couple of options. This one was kind of hard to do because there was such a big cast. But I kind of narrowed it down to the people who... Two of the most famous people in the movie, and yet I haven't, like, really seen them do work and both of them so okay so I wrote down Cheech Marin and Cheryl Lee Ralph now prefacing this that like both of them are doing a lot of work still to this day I mean Cheech Marin is like one of Disney's go-to voice actors now and Mm -hmm. um Cheryl Lee Ralph is still doing a ton of work but I haven't actually like physically seen them in anything in years anything recent and maybe I just have like my head in the clouds but like I haven't seen them in anything and, um, and I miss them because they are both amazing actors and I wish I would see them in more like blockbuster hits. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, did you have any nominations for this? Yeah, I, I also thought this, this section was um, particularly uh, hard to pin down simply because it seems like a lot of the people, the cast members were kind of more at the sunset of their career. I mm-hmm. mean. You have some really big, heavy hitters like uh, Dom DeLuise and Roscoe Lee Brown, you know, who are really, you know, have done a whole lot. But as far as, like, I mean, this wasn't exactly, like, the start of their career, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It was a hard category to narrow down. I feel like you can almost say it about any of these people who, like, haven't passed away yet. It's like... 
where, I don't know, the only one, I mean, the only easy answer for, was, like, most likely to succeed, where, like, obviously Bette Midler. I was yeah. like, I don't know anybody else on this list who really, like, has earned the honor at this point in in the world, you know, at this stage of the game. Yeah. The fact you that You know, this- my mom keeps telling me to watch Beaches, and I have not done it yet. Have you seen it? <laughs> my mom, see, my mom's the exact opposite. She's never wanted to watch Beaches, because I think she watched it once upon a time, and she told me it was, like, one of the saddest movies she'd ever seen. And oh, so, of course. My mom loves sob stories. <laughs> honestly, my mom hates them, so they're, like, banned from the house. Like, any movie that's, like, too emotional, we don't watch. My mom and I even, like, if we have a movie that we love, but there's, like, a really uncomfortable part in it or a really sad part in it, we skip it, we skip over it together <laughs> because we don't <laughs> like watching it. We're both, like, those, yeah, we are very much more, like, lighthearted people, even though we love dramas. Wow. Like, we only like, like, the happy stuff. <laughs> How special. That is something else I like about this film is that there's, I mean, except for Sykes. Sykes, like, takes, is the personification of everything evil. Mm-hmm. But, like, other <laughs> than that, they're all good-natured beings, you know? Oh, yeah, like, you fall in love with every character except Yes, her. they're so lovable. Like, everyone, like, no one is, you know, no one. And it might be a flaw, too, because no one really changes that much, you know? Their worldview is expanded, but, like, no one goes on, like, a a deep, like, change of spirit per oh, se but yeah. it's literally but just, just an adventure people. story it's just an adventure yeah. story at the end of the day yeah, yeah but um i do find the beginning though to be very very dark um like right away as soon as you see poor oliver just left alone in the in the box i remember well, I, how scarring I love, that was <laughs> i love that opening though because i mean i mean it, it takes like the whole you know, mystifying essence of New York City and and you get like the glory and the possibilities like in the first 30 seconds and then in the next 30 seconds, it's like, but also it can be terrible and like the most <laughs> lonely place in the world. And I think, I think that encompasses like the whole essence of the movie right there that like New York City is like the best and the worst place to be. Like you have the richest <laughs> and the poorest. You have, you have all these like, stark polarities happening like right here you know yeah it's very it's very it's very powerful i love that opening i love it i love how like uh uh almost what's the word i'm looking for like philosophical all of this sounds like i never like thinking about it now hearing you explain it this way i'm like wow this movie is a lot deeper than i ever gave it credit for (laughs) oh girl girl i'm about to go deep with this movie you don't even know (laughs) Well, I feel like this is perfect to go into most iconic. Um, so do you want to list off your things first? Do you want me to? You can go first. Okay. So uh, let's see. First of all, the collar that Oliver is given, that bright blue collar with the gold medallion. So iconic. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the few things in this movie. I haven't seen this movie since I was maybe like 10 years old. So 14 years later, revisiting it, I was like, oh my God, this is what I remember. Um, Georgette, just her, her essence, her vibe, her everything is so iconic. I love that dog so much. Um, Absolutely. The only song I remembered very well was Why Should I Worry? So I have that on my list as most iconic because I instantly recognized the tune. And as soon as it got to the woo, I instantly recognized it. And I was like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. this is the song. Um... But now that I've rewatched this, I've also added Perfect Isn't Easy, uh, Georgette's big 
11 o'clock number uh, as mm-hmm. most iconic because that song is officially in my audition book. Like, I, <laughs> any Disney audition yes. I go into for the rest of my life, I'm going to sing that song because, wow, one, it's well written, and two, it's fucking hilarious. Um, it's great. I also wrote most iconic. I also wrote Fagin because. As soon as he entered the picture, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy. I always thought he was so sweet and just, like, the nicest guy to his dogs. And I always liked him. Um, I wrote the blow-dry sequence when they're standing over the grates of the subway and they, like, get their fur dried. I remembered that so well. And I feel like that's, like, one of those mini clips that Disney uses when they're talking about their canon, you know, and they do, like, compilation videos. I feel like that's the one always taken from this movie. Um... I wrote the wheezing. This is so specific, but the wheezing that Fagin does at the window when he's, like, having his face squished, I remembered so well as a kid, and I think it's because I had asthma really bad back then, so I kind of resonated with it, and I was like, oh, I identify. Um, what else? When they all snuggle up and reading the story, I remembered that so well, how they all have their little beds, and they bring him the blanket, and the the dog treat. I was like, oh, they're so sweet. Um, the poster of this movie with, like, Oliver and and Dodger and, like, all of the dogs, like, I just remember that so well. And specifically, like, Jenny, too, I feel like it's just, like, a striking little kid. Um, and then just orange tabby cats. I feel like this is, like, the epitome of adorable, cute little orange tabby cats. And then the adoption box. The very beginning of the movie, that whole sequence of watching all the cats get adopted and then... Um, Oliver just being left behind was so scarring for me as a kid and always made me so sad when I watched the very beginning of the movie. And then the rest of it is so fun, but, like, that always got to me emotionally. And watching it this time, it was the most I remembered about the movie was that whole sequence. And that is my most iconic. What's your list? Wow, your list was a lot longer than mine. Oh, no. <laughs> because in my mind, I was, like, most iconic characters, but I, I, I definitely... Thinking about it now, the story moment when they're all huddled up listening to Sparky the dog is yeah. definitely, definitely iconic in my mind. Especially the part when he turns to Francis and he goes, why don't you try it sometime? Yes. And Francis goes, rough, rough. <laughs> it's, so, it's adorable. It's, it's so, so adorable. It's the most wholesome thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. But yes, for most iconic, I had Georgette, her yes. whole shtick, her whole thing. And in Dodger's song, Dodger's yep. um, Dodger's song, yeah. Yep, so good. Love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Love it so much. Um, now we move on to Best Dressed, which obviously this is a movie of almost entirely dogs, so it's almost a little hard to fill this one in. But I wrote a few options. I wrote one. The 80s guy who's, like, dancing with his boombox in the beginning. Oh, that's good. Yeah. His costume is so striking, and then he just disappears for the rest of the movie. But I, but, like, when that part happened on screen, I was like, oh, hey, look at that. That's fun. Um, Then I also wrote Georgette. Just, like, she just, like, her look is is a look. L-E-W-K. Like, amazing. And then finally, Jenny, because she's so cute with her little half ponytail, half down hair, and then her little Annie dress. She wears, like, an orphan Annie dress in the end of the movie. That oh, I was yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Literally, it looked like a costume. I was like, oh, what if they just put her in for the end of this movie? <laughs> but, yeah, I love them. Uh, what's Adorable. Who's on your list? 
Georgette with the hat and the scarf. Are you kidding? Yep. So much work. Oh, Every yeah, yeah, morning. Yeah. She is she is putting in the work. Love it. And her little like raincoat thing that she wears. Is, is oh my god. <laughs> yes, I forgot. <laughs> I love she has like a an, a literal outfit for going out. She's amazing. <laughs> Lauren, I forgot about the raincoat. Of course. (laughs) Oh, my God. Love it. Um, Now we move into best quote. Do you want me to start? Um, Do you want to go first? I'll go first this time. You go for it. Um, First of all, I want to count the rough, rough. Francis's. Oh, I have that too. Rough. But I also love his line after where Fagin goes, well, that's because you're a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, man. Fagin has no idea of his secret, about his secret passion for Shakespeare. He has no idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, but yeah, another one from Francis uh, that I yes. think is iconic. Is, oh, my um, God. My name is Francis. <laughs> Francis. Not Frank. Not Frankie. Francis. I love that one. I have that one too. Oh, he's so, <laughs> he's so adorable. Fuck, I love his character so much. Um, my first one is a Dodger one when we're introduced to him and he's talking to Oliver and he goes, absolutely, positively. And I still say that. Yeah. I, I was wondering why I recognized it. Is it you that says that? Because it sounded so familiar, but I was like, I don't know how I could remember that. You after don't say that. Years. I was about to say. I never that you, that you say that. I I definitely say that. Doesn't I, everyone say that? Is that not? A I have thing? never. I don't remember hearing it before, other than this movie. And Absolutely I. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my god, I love it though. Now I want to like start throwing it into my vocabulary because it's so cute. What's your next one? Um. It's hard to watch anything once you're getting barbecued, man. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow, you went for it. That was that was pretty good. I I Lauren, think that was I, I know good. this movie like the back of my hand, man. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, that was good. That was fun. Um, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Oh, this is another Francis line because I I had to pause the movie and laugh for like two minutes over just this one line when he goes when the Do- the Dobermans are talking and he goes, "Isn't it rather dangerous to use one's entire vocabulary in a single sentence?" Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's just checking his nails. He's just like, hmm. <laughs> I love him. Oh my god, so yeah. good. Yeah, that's a great moment. I almost wrote that one down, too. That's a good one. <laughs> I also have um, one from Georgette. Yeah. I love when she's talking to Oliver for the first time, and she goes, <laughs> Everything from the doorknobs down is mine! <laughs> I love it. I also love in that scene when she goes, like, when uh, she's like, Do you know whose bull you're eating out of? And he's like, Yours? Yeah. And she's like, Ooh! <laughs> and she... What a smart kitty. <laughs> what a clever kitty. I was like, oh, bitch, I love you. <laughs> she could not have played this role any any broader. She nope. she takes it to 11, and she, it's it works. It's perfect. She knew she was, like, the name draw of this movie, and she's like, oh, I'm going to sell this movie. I'm going to sell tickets. <laughs> oh, God, I love her. Um, 
My next one is, oh, a Fagin line that I find cute that I caught this time watching it, where he's talking about, you know, how they have to get the money in three days, and he said, and remember this, dead men do not buy dog food. <laughs> yes, that is, I, that is quite iconic. I thought it was so cute. I was like, oh, he's so sweet. He loves these dogs so much. <laughs> Do you have any more? That's all I have. I just oh, have I have thing. a, I have a few more. Um, I love another Francis line right before he's uh, gonna lie in front of the limo, and he goes, "My public awaits." <laughs> and I was like, "I love you." <laughs> um, a le- the from perfect isn't easy. I just love the lyric of perfect isn't easy, but it's me. <laughs> like genius um i also love every time every time bet midler goes bark 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 <laughs> oh my god the way she did it oh i love this movie oh man um a choice um, a choice was made a very strong choice bark 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 <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> Um, I also just have to point out reasons why this movie shouldn't be a G-rated movie. When Sykes is talking on the phone with his, like, loan shark shit, and he's like, what do you mean? You start with the knuckles? And then later he's like, you put on the cement shoes? And I'm like, oh, this is a kid's movie! Like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. They went all in on those, on that dialogue. I was like, yikes, um... And then the last one I have is also a, a Georgette line when she screams at the at the warehouse and goes, oh, and then she goes, I broke a nail. <laughs> and her devastation is just so cl- so cute, such a cliche, but gotta love it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And those are all of mine. Um, and now, because this movie does have a few song uh, song and dance numbers. I did include most likely to break out into song and best song. So for most likely to break out into song, I just mentioned a couple of names, basically the two major people who sing Dodger and Georgette. Um, and I think I want to lean more towards Georgette just because her song is fucking fabulous. But what is your opinion on it? I, yeah, also, also for me, Dodger or Georgette, I, I, I'm gonna say Dodger just because there is a couple of, of times in the movie where he's, like, minding his own business and just going, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Wait, and that's so like, true. Just, he's just vibe. You do himself. it. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. <laughs> oh, man, Dodger. Classic. And then, of course, now best song. So, um, for those of you listening, these are the songs in the movie. We have Once Upon a Time in New York City. Great song. Uh, we have song. we have Why Should I Worry, we have Streets of Gold, like Rita's kind of number, uh, we have Perfect Isn't Easy, and then we have the adorable little um, Good Company piano song that Jenny sings mm-hmm. that's fucking adorable, that also I remembered really well when it started to play, and I was like, oh my god. Um, and for me, man, my favorite, Why Should I Worry, I feel like is the most iconic from the movie. And then Perfect isn't easy and it's just going to be my go-to audition song from now on. So those two in my brain are just a little a little too tied. But do you have a clear favorite? Um, No, definitely not a clear favorite. <laughs> um, because I love every single song in this movie. Like, truly. I, I think they're all fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I'm always... After the movie's over, I'm always singing that first of all i have to say the georgette song is was a shower staple for me like (laughs) me in the shower i am singing georgette's song like literally as a kid 
every time I took a shower, I would go through like the Little Mermaid song and this song. Like it was just one of my shower staples. Mm-hmm. So I am I sing it all the time. Um, <laughs> but but I'm always left with that opening number, um, um, the Huey Lewis number. Yes. Once upon a time in New York City. Like that is what that is what stays with me because I I just think that the whole like opening thing is just so grand and so lovely, which I also love Why Should I Worry. It, it, for me, it's between Why Should I Worry and the opening and the very opening song. Well, like, I really can't choose. Why Should I Worry? I'm like adding to my favorites playlist now. <laughs> like I have to listen to that on a daily basis now. I forgot how good that song is. And it is, it's a fucking bop. <laughs> it's a bop. Oh yeah. my gosh. The, the rhythm. Ugh. Yep. I'm a sucker for it. I really am. It's so funky fresh. And <laughs> anyone who knows me, I'm I'm just a sucker for anything that is has a funky fresh beat. I, I, that's that's it. That's actually yeah, that's very true. This movie when as I was watching it after you'd suggested it, I'm watching it today, writing my notes, and I was like, this is such an amber movie. I'm not at <laughs> all surprised you suggested this. You know what it is? It's it's something about, and I, I don't know if it's because I like this vibe that I like this movie, or or if it's because I watched this movie from a very young age that I, like, identify with this vibe. But, like, there's so much of the 80s in this movie, like, these 80s themes, mm-hmm. like, in the, in the soundtrack and the music and the style of it that I really, that I really vibe with, like, just... Just the whole style, especially in the soundtrack, that I love. Love, love, love. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now we move on to the last superlative of Best All Around, which I wrote a few options. So, and I went with, like, Best All Around in, like, I went for more, like, the wholesome vibe instead of just, like, what characters I love. So... I went with Francis, Oliver, and Jenny. I just feel like overall they are such good people who just tug at my heartstrings so much. They're so you fucking love cute. Francis. I need, I want Francis. Like if there was a dog, like, you know, most people, like Scooby-Doo is fucking adorable, but like Francis on the, is on the top of my list now of talking dogs I need in my life. <laughs> like Francis is fucking perfect in my mind. The, the idea that he and I could talk about like art and Shakespeare <laughs> and ballet yes. together makes me so happy. And I need yes. Francis. I need that dog. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I love Francis. <laughs> Do you, um, what are your nominations? Um, I just wrote down Dodger because he is oh. just my personal. I'm, and also, now that I'm thinking about it, like Tito also holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah, after your... A in- very special place. After your impression of him, I'm surprised you didn't say him first. I... That was really spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I should... I should look at more of Cheech's work because that's... Because that's all I, I really know him from, honestly. I know he's been in a million different things that I've probably, like, heard. Yeah. But, like, I don't really know him as, like, an artist and as a person and as a comedian. So, like, I probably, like, should get to know his stuff because I, I just think he's hysterical in this. Yeah, all I know him yeah. for, I mean, it's mostly probably our generation, our age group. All I know him from is, like, kids' movies. is from, like, Cars, Spy Kids, this movie. Like, oh, my God, who is he in Cars? In Cars, he's Ramon, the car that, like, does all the um, paint jobs. What? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Well, now, this movie obviously has a lot of dogs in it, but I'm going to ask the curveball question anyway, because animated movies, we all like people sometimes. Did you have a crush on any of these characters when you were a kid? Mm, no. Mm-mm. No. I've definitely had animated people crushes, mm-hmm. and um, what comes to mind would be, like, Peter Pan. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Um... But not this um, movie. Danny Phantom. Hello. <gasps> Danny, every, I think, okay, you know what's He's got hilarious? A vibe. <laughs> what's hilarious to me is, like, I have, like, uh, I have friends who are, uh, like, who identify as, like, gay or lesbian, queer, or whatever, and a lot of them joke that they're, like, when you're young, you think that you have a crush on Danny Phantom, but then as you get older, you realize you have a crush on the girl best friend that he has, or his sister. <laughs> And I relate to that so hard, because I'm like, wait, that's so true. Now that I watch the show, like, Danny Phantom's definitely a vibe, definitely a crush, but also, like, the girls in that show are almost more attractive than him. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah there's something about He's just super cool. He's he just super cool. But yeah, not not this movie. I just wanted to, like, be cool like Dodger. I just wanted to be that cool. Oh, you yeah. Know? That's good. Yeah, yeah. for me... I definitely didn't have, like, a crush. I don't even know, because this movie is such an ensemble movie, I don't know if I genuinely, like, paid attention to one singular character enough. Like, the only one that stood out to me, and not really, like, a crush, I was just always like, oh, he's so sweet, is Fagin. I was always just like, he's such a sweet man that just, like, needs yeah. a hand. Just needs, just needs to win just once, you know? Right, um, yeah. But let's go ahead and just move into I Have Some Notes. So, for those of you keeping track at home, I wrote five pages, but it's a short movie, so I think five pages is pretty legit for me. Um, yeah. And, um... I have you... three pages. Oh, nice. Okay. Actually, no. Two. I have two oh. pages. <laughs> That's not bad. And a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Do you want to go first, then? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, go yeah, for I'll it. I'll go first. Um... I just wanted to talk about first of all, hmm, is this is this before spicy hot takes? We'll this is spicy before hot spicy hot, hot takes is next after this. Segment. Okay. Well, okay. First of all, I want to go deep into Dodger's song and how how much my like how how much it influenced my idea of of New York City as a kid Aww. and like the romanticism of like um of what that is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like looking at it now, I realize like, like, cause I always like love the sound of it growing up, mm-hmm. but now I, I feel like I really get what it's about. You know, it's got, it's about not getting beat down by the status quo, you know, yeah. you let it, you let things roll off your back and you keep moving just because you don't have money or people look down on you. Doesn't mean you have to look down on yourself because all that can change because it's New York city. And the world is always going to be unfair, but you can choose to fight it or cry about it or you can take things as they come and make it work for you. And I feel like that is his little lesson to Oliver when he takes his hot dogs. Yeah. And Oliver's like, well, you took my hot dogs. I hope you get them. And he's like, listen, like, this is how the world is. Like, things aren't fair all the time. But you, you how you take it and how you move on from here is going to determine who you're, who you're going to be in this life, you know? So I thought that was... Um, um, I think it's a great song for that reason, you know? Yeah. I, I really love it. And uh, let's see what else. Um, You're bringing all the deep takes to this episode. Damn, I'm like, I'm moved. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I I really, I I just have to share how I feel about this movie because it has a freaking 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and I feel like people oh, just don't know what they're talking about. I, I yeah. mean, like... You know? Yeah, I feel like people just don't get this movie. I actually wrote as a... I didn't mention this quote, but, like, 
one of the quotes the Dodger says in the very beginning is, this city's got a beat, you gotta hook into it. And I bet people who don't like this movie just don't like New York, probably. Because I feel like a lot of this movie, the philosophies that you're talking about, is like a New York mentality, a New York state of mind. Then New Yorkers like us get, but maybe the rest of the population doesn't. Yeah, and honestly, like, I'm I'm still, like, learning and getting mm-hmm. it. Because it's, it's hard. I mean, like, the honest... The honest truth is that like a lot of times when you're walking down the street, like I am very much hit by the disparity between people who I see who have no home, who mm-hmm. are begging for money, who are just, I mean, they're just going through it. They have nothing, they have nothing at all. And yeah. and then on the, on the same side of the street, you're gonna see like the richest man in the world, you know? Yeah. And that's a hard fact to face every day. It really is like to live in a place where you're confronted with that disparity is, you know, it, it can take a toll on you and you can get wrapped up in like, wow, the world's never gonna change and like, you know, things will always be this way. But if, if you, if you, you know, if, if you let that get you down, you know, if you, if you let that be what foot you're leading with, then, you know, it's, you can choose to be happy. You can choose to like, and I know that's like not a really, popular vibe these days because we are trying to fight for justice and we are trying to make these changes but at the same time you have to you have to also make space to like decide to be happy you know yeah so i feel like it's important yeah anyway but also <laughs> also um yeah this movie i really enjoy it um because especially even now like i really don't enjoy watching movies that are about bad people like mm-hmm. even though they might be like really good movies or really good tv shows i just prefer to be following a protagonist that i think is a genuinely good person yeah you know like as much as i love breaking bad and <laughs> think it's a great show mm-hmm. sometimes it stresses me out <laughs> so yeah i really like that everyone in this i feel like everyone in this is like has a good natured personality mm-hmm. and maybe they don't change that much but they do affect how Oliver is getting to know his world. And, and in the end, they end up connecting and opening themselves up to the other half or the other demographic, which under capitalism and the classism it breeds in this city, they would never otherwise associate with. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a really um, an, a nice, a very nice theme about this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like Oliver is a big part of um, bringing those two worlds together with how much he naturally, you know, has an innocent outlook on the world and just trusts people, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, I want to mention how adorable it is, the storytelling culture that is within Fagin's gang. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Francis is watching Macbeth on the yes. television. Yeah. I looked it up. It's from Act 5, Scene 5 of Macbeth, the Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow speech. Mm-hmm. Which and is also in Hamilton, story. which I find funny. <laughs> oh, really? It's referenced, yeah, um, uh, and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow creeps and did, uh, like, he quotes, like, that first line in, in his, um, when he's writing to Angelica um, during Take a Break. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's starting to read, it's starting to ring a bell in yeah. my mind. <laughs> Hamilton. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then they read then they read the story of Sparky the dog, which is just <laughs> fucking adorable oh God, as shit. Crazy. Yeah. It's so cute. Like the movie could just end there and it would be like a short. It'd be like, mm, happy times. They're poor, but they're fine." Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but then we have the whole things with Sykes. 
And I love Dodger's recounting of mm-hmm. him getting the hot dogs. Yeah. Like, right when he gets back and he's like, yeah, I got the hot dogs. I'm cool. I'm Dodger. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, how'd you get these hot dogs? And he goes into this, like, tale. And all of a sudden, like, that is the event of the evening. Everyone is listening to Dodger recount this tale of of the terrifying creature that he had to encounter on the streets of New York. And I just think that's um a really... I just think those three things are, like... I don't know, it really tells you something about um, how a community, like a little gang, like Fagin's little dog gang, connects with each other. They, they tell stories. It's really cute. Yeah. Also, I just wanted to make a comment about the look of this movie mm-hmm. and how rich the world is, you know? I mean, whether we're seeing, like, the rich side of, of the story or, like, the really poor, dingy side, it's the cartoon, like, the, the visual animation is just... So this expressive was, and so fun. I believe one of the fun facts I saw was this was the first movie that Disney did that had created a new animation department to do computer animation. Um, hmm. Yeah, that this was the first movie that started to introduce that new idea of creating. There was It was like a special kind of computer animation that would then be able to um, mesh well with like the hand-drawn designs that they were doing. To be able to like splice them together, basically, to create that like vividness that you're talking about, and I found that really fascinating because I I like saw that too in this movie. Like the amount of detail that went into it is incredible, especially because New York is like hard to detail, especially in an animated movie. So for them to pull it off so well, so convincingly, I I agree with you. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, the film it, it just looks great. Like there's yeah. so many, and especially if you like pause throughout the movie, and. Like, I mean, we're, speaking of the title, like, please don't remake this, remake mm-hmm. this, I feel like if they tried to do it in any other style, especially, like, a live-action, like, weird Ooh, Lion King no. thing, yep. like, I, it it wouldn't work, because I feel like the cartoonness of it, like, captures something that is, like, inherent about the style of New York City. You know, it makes me think yeah. about, like, Al Hirschfeld and Jules Pfeiffer, you know, like, that very... New York City cartoonist funky vibe, you know? Yeah. Like, it seems to be, like, a very New York City cultural thing. Yeah, that's it. That's all my notes. Nice. Fuck yeah. That was awesome. Um, Thank you. Okay, what do I have? Um, oh, okay, so I wanted to point this out because I know some of our listeners, like, might be thinking this. I, there was a sociology class I took in, um, at SU that one day was talking about, like, microaggressions in movies and how, like, you know, you're probably familiar with the doll experiment where they showed um, kids, like, uh, like white oh. dolls and black dolls. And, like, yeah. at a very young age, kids had these already, like, preconceived notions of who was a good child and who was a bad child based off of the color of their skin. And yeah. we were talking about that a little bit in class and talking about how kids are kind of taught these things early on. And they, my teacher had in her slide, she mentioned Tito from this movie. And I really? was like, wait, what? And she went on to explain, you know, this um, this stereotype of a Latino person in this movie and how, like, his references to, like, a gang war and his um, being, like, so, like, his, like, machismo and, like, coming on to Georgette so aggressively. And, like, she was explaining all these things that she was, like, 
you know, potentially with kids, this could teach kids to, like, not respect Hispanic people as much because they see him My as mouth this, is like, a gape. I know because Oh, I, my gosh. I had never thought of it either. And she was like, and also, let's point out the the most glaring fact that, of course, they, he's a chihuahua and is in every, like, Latino, like, dog character chihuahua in every single yeah. movie. Yeah. And I was wow, like. Wow, can't argue against any of that. Those things are all. Those things all are very all much true. true of Tito. Yeah, and I lost my shit because I was like, oh, fuck. I grew up watching this movie so much and I never put two and two together like that about it. Yeah. But as soon right. as she said it, I was like, now I'm just super hyper aware when I watch kids' movies about their representations of minorities and, like, especially a lot of these movies back then, how they did that. And I'm just like, oh yikes like it's not great so this movie like watching it this time it was a little harder to enjoy it during the tito scenes because i was like this they're leaning so hard into the stereotype and it's not good (laughs) and there's little kids who watch this and like absorb this shit you know and um yeah and i was just like sad i was like fuck man like i never thought of that but about that until my teacher pointed it out in class my professor and i was like oh wow okay so i'm just pointing that out for anybody who also noticed that when they watched the movie and also if you didn't notice it like i didn't for my entire life now when you rewatch it just keep that lens in mind we need wow. to do better representation that's not stereotypes and not microaggressions. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like if, like, in a world where there was a lot more Latino, Latinx representation, like, you know, this this wouldn't be noticed so much and it wouldn't be so important as, like, a statement on, like, the culture. Yep. But we, that's not the world we live in. So it does it does speak volumes. Yeah. And for them to, like... I think she also pointed out, she was like, and also, they're dogs. So how did they bring race and ethnicity into this, you know? Like, how did Disney figure out a way that we, they were going to have, like, one ethnic character out of the group of dogs? They are animals, and they made one of them specifically Latinx. And what hmm. does that say about Latinx people? That they are now, like, represented as a dog in a movie. And I was like oh shit and like that just yeah it just so for those of you who watch the movie and are listening to this just like think about that for a little bit just putting that there um what's my next note um it kind of bothers me in this movie that they never really get into like why does Fagin owe Sykes money like they never explain the reason and for a kids movie to just like not explain like a huge plot point like that I was a little like as an adult revisiting it, I was disappointed. Because I was like, wait, why the fuck is Sykes even in this movie? <laughs> they just don't talk about it at all. Which I was like, huh, weird. They just, like, dodged that completely. Hmm. Um, Actually, I, I think my brain kind of... First of all, I, I never even thought about it. But thinking about it now, I feel like that, that little mini scene that happens... Um, in the quote-unquote denouement of the movie when they're, like, (laughs) when they're over at um, Jenny's house and they're, like, making bets on the the boxing match. Yeah. Oh, you think he's a gambler. In my mind, like, that scene and, like, seeing that part of Fagin and how he gets himself into situations, like, that like, seeing that part of his personality or maybe not personality, just maybe circumstance come up. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like, I, I could see... 
Like, it was just very understandable in my mind. I could see how this person could easily just go get himself stuck in a hole, you know? Like, yeah. Okay, I like see that. Like, it just that. seemed like a... It's, I think that mini scene kind of addresses that a little bit. All right, I totally see that. That that makes more sense. I didn't even, like, connect the dots with that, but that makes a lot more sense. Maybe, like, him being a gambling addict or something. Because I all I could something. think of is I was like, what would he need the money for? What would he... Like, it seems like he, like, just, like, lives like this permanently, but maybe, who knows? But maybe he was trying to get out of gambling debt. Okay, that's interesting. Huh. Um, my next one is, I wonder what her parents do for a living to, like, afford an entire house on Fifth Ave on a corner street. I was like, what do they possibly do for a living? Talking about going to a conference or something in Europe. I'm like, what? So now I'm just curious. What does her, what do her parents do for a living? Um, I love, so I just listed, like, a few of the scenes that are some of my favorites in this movie that made me cackle. One of them is when Georgette is doing her workout with her eating the chocolate. (laughs) I was like, wow, what a mood. Like, what? Just and so 80s. So 80s. Oh, my God. I was like, I almost wish they had made the the character on the screen look like Jane Fonda, and I would have been (laughs) sold. (laughs) Um... I also love when Jenny pulls out her piggy bank. I was like, oh my god. And it's reasons why I love Fagin, because you watch his reaction, and he's just like, oh, you brought your piggy bank. And he looks so... That's really sad for Fagin. (laughs) So sad, and he's just so despondent, but also so moved. Like, he's like, oh, this little kid is so cute. And I just, it gets me every time. And I also love how, (laughs) when he's trying to figure out how to, like, present uh present Oliver to her to give him back and he's trying to figure out what to do with him and then he sees the box on the ground and he's like I that's it and he just throws Oliver into the box <laughs> and you see Oliver like spread out his legs like ah <laughs> and land on this thing and then he's just like wait I just found an orange kitty is this yours <laughs> it's so cute um, Poor Fagin, that is a man in crisis. So, oh my god, so crisis. Like, I love, there's one part when she's talking about, like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, I don't know what to do either. <laughs> and he's just having I think meltdown. that actor's performance as Fagin, like, every line, he he really just makes the most of every single line, well, I think. I a- love. Apparently he improvised, I think, a lot of his work, actually. That's part of the reason no they loved it. Yeah, the, I think the director said, like, yeah, he, that he improvised a lot of his, a lot of his work, and that they would just, like, add extra days for him to be in the recording studio to record, because he just, like, went wow. balls to the walls on it. Um, and then my last couple of ones are, um, I also love the moment when they dress up as the pizza guy. I died. I didn't remember that at all. And I was like, wait, that's so cute. They're so, they're trying so hard. And I just, I love them. And then the very last one, the deaths in this movie are pretty intense for a kid's movie. I mean, for the two dogs to be electrocuted, like we literally see one of them be electrocuted on the tracks. And then... For Sykes to just get run over by a subway train. I was like, this movie could, like, potentially scar kids going on the train on the Brooklyn Bridge. I was like, It shows how desensitized I am. I literally had to think to myself, like, who dies? Like, doesn't everyone live? And it's like, oh, she means the the scum of the earth. Yes, 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 of course. I still think it's like, you know, most Disney movies usually they didn't, well, before I think the Disney movies of the 90s, they they would show death scenes. And I was always just like, what? Like, you think about the Black Cauldron and how dark that movie is. That is so, that movie is so dark. So I dark. Like, 
some people won't even watch that movie because it's too scary. Yeah, <laughs> like some exactly. People I know now in my in my grown up life refuse to watch the Black Cauldron. Exactly. Yeah, and it was supposed to be darker, I think, and then they like scrapped a bunch of the movie to try to make it lighter, and they just couldn't do it. <laughs> and they had a deadline, and they just ended up releasing what they had. And yeah, it's... there's a few moments that um, I I heard that I. I've I've heard things about the 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 Disney creating room that things get dark and sometimes they have to pull it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I'm doesn't surprise me. I feel like artists in general we tend to I feel like most of the time lean towards the heavier shit because we're like that's art and then it's like everybody has to remind us like no we're trying to sell tickets. <laughs> you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But that was all my I have some notes and then we should move on to spicy hot takes a spicy. And um, do you want do you want to go first, and we'll just go back and forth? Um, I'd love to bounce off of your ideas, but I I actually just have one for this one. Okay. And it's I I kind of have a counter argument to myself for this. <laughs> okay. Um, but I really, um, Rita's song, yes. Streets of Gold. Mm-hmm. It's so short. It's such a good song. Like you're gonna do. How the best of vibes. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm in it. I'm bopping. Yeah. And then it's like a verse, a chorus, and then it's done. And I'm like, and I, I didn't really notice um, until it's like in my head afterwards. And then I'm like, where's the rest of that song? And then I'm like, oh, it's not there. Like, yeah. Literally, it just goes into the action. And I think, I think it's because it serves a little bit of the same purpose. I have two points, actually. It, number one <laughs> is that it serves a little bit of the same purpose as Dodger's song. Like, it's kind of the same vibe. It's, it's kind of the same lesson of, you know, you got to keep up with the gang. You got to keep your, your head on your shoulders if you're going to keep up in New York City, you know? Yeah. Um, and B, I think they didn't want parents reading into it too much because it's really about, like, being a thief. And it's yeah. really about, like, stealing. And I, I, I just think they... They didn't want to dive into deep. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, a full version. And then later on, they were like, you know what? Like, if the parents catch on that we're talking about stealing from the rich, like, they may, I don't know how they feel about that. So that's, yeah, that po- might be possibly why it's so short. Because it's such a good song. Yeah. Well, going off of that, I kind of have a spicy hot take that's related to what you just said. That... This movie, as I was watching it, all of the songs happen so quickly right in the beginning of the movie, and then, like, a whole hour is still left, and they didn't write any more songs. Yeah. And I was yeah, really disappointed. I was like, they, you guys used up every song you wrote this, for this movie in the first 30 minutes? Like, what? <laughs> and I was yeah. so disappointed that there wasn't more material, that they didn't hire anybody else to write songs and it was yeah so kind of related to what you said like yeah there wasn't I wish there was more I feel like this movie definitely had room to do that I mean the movie is literally only like an hour 15 minutes they had the time quick yeah they Mm. had the time to add more songs I don't know why they didn't and I tried looking up like fun facts about the movie and I didn't see any good reasons why they didn't have more the only thing I saw was that they wanted like famous people to write the songs you know so that they would have more of like a pop vibe to the movie and I was like well maybe that they got stuck in that hole because then they didn't have, like, musical theater writers contributing. So then it's, like, harder to nail down pop stars to write a song for a Disney movie that then failed miserably. So, like, yeah. This movie actually didn't even... Because some of these movies just, like, were not hits in the box office, Disney didn't even release them on VHS until, like, the late 90s. 
oh, well, that explains why I had it. Yeah, exactly. In the late 90s. <laughs> yeah, me too. My mom, I think my mom once said, because, you know, like, Disney used to do that, like, Disney vault thing where they would only release movies for a limited amount of time and then seal them again. My mom, I think, told me once that anytime Disney released a new movie from the vault, she went out and got it before it was sold out because she knew it wouldn't sell, it wouldn't be available again for another, like, five, ten years. So she was like, you bought it when it was available. And it was all a marketing ploy and all this stuff. But, yeah, so... That was my spicy hot take. And then one of my other ones is, I find it very unbelievable and unrealistic that um, uh, that Oliver isn't adopted in the beginning of the movie from the box. Yes. The orange ones always go first. Yeah, exactly. I was like... It's true. Oliver it's is adorable as shit. There's no reason why this cat wouldn't be taken. Also, fun fact for those of you who don't live in New York, I don't know about the 80s, probably in the 80s there were stray, more stray cats and dogs, but now in today's society, zero stray dogs and only, like, very few stray cats. But literally, like, no stray dogs. They don't, they do not exist. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, okay. This is just, blew my mind while watching the movie. So, so Jenny is rich as shit, but she takes a school bus to school? Just very confusing. I... <laughs> Makes I'm trying to think. I have no context for what growing up in, in the middle of Manhattan would have looked like. I just have no context. Like, it, are there school buses? Are there school taxis? I have no <laughs> idea. It's just like you have a butler who's taking care of you full time while your parents are gone. Like, of course her butler drives her to school. I find it hilarious that there's a school bus randomly in this movie when she lives on fucking Fifth Avenue. Of course her driver That's takes true. her personally to school. And it's, it's true. really weird. I don't know why they decided to do that. It's a weird detail. Um, also, can I interject at this moment? Yes. You made me think of something. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's unbelievable. I, I, I find it slightly unbelievable. Um, and maybe it's just the time and kids were just innocent back then. But I feel like if a kid, like, knows their cat is taken for ransom, like, what kid of that age doesn't know that they're... I mean, I don't know what it's like to grow up, like, filthy rich, but, like, I feel like a kid of that age would, like, know where the cash stash is and just, like, take a thousand dollars out of it, you know? Like, well, I feel like it's her so parents, interesting. I feel like her parents probably don't have lying, money lying around because they're never home from the looks of it. So I feel like she really didn't have access to anything. And... The idea that I get is that she's probably so sheltered, she doesn't know how the real world works. I mean, she goes to the barge by herself, for fuck's sake. I mean, like, this girl's that is true. clueless as shit. She I love no her. She has no idea. She has no idea how the real world works, you know? And so <laughs> I don't I don't really have a qualm with that, because of course she would just bring her personal piggy bank. Because, like, she doesn't know better. She's too sheltered, you know? She is very sheltered. Yeah, which kind of leads into, that comment kind of leads into my next two spicy hot takes, which is one, why the hell was Fagin so dramatic with that ransom letter? Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, he was just, he went, like, so far, so extreme, and it makes, like, no Wait, sense to me. Wait, what did it say? He like, literally I, said he was, like, was, like, filthy rich, filthy rich man. <laughs> well, when she reads it, when she gets it, she literally reads that, like, he said, like, if you don't bring the money, you'll never see your cat again. And, like, he really, like, goes all in. That's why she's so scared and why she goes to get her cat. She's so devastated because he just, like, so over the top. And it drove me crazy. I was like, dude, Fagin, what the fuck? Like, 
You're better no, than that. I mean, like his life is on the line. I mean, he's literally gonna die. So I guess I, mean, I was just like, honey, calm down. Um, phrase it a different way, you know. And then <laughs> also, how the fuck? She is like probably less than ten years old. How did she manage to get away from her keeper, from her housekeeper? To get all the way to the barge. How did she get in a taxi by yeah. herself? I tell you, Winston, he is, he took the day off. Winston yes. is more concerned with Georgette, honestly, than he is with this child. Yes, new spicy hot take. At the end of the movie, he should probably be fired. Because, like, how the fuck did he not notice that the one person under his, in his care goes missing? And then gets fucking kidnapped. Like, Yeah. Also, she what? went with Georgette. So there's literally, like, no one. Yeah, there's literally no reason that, he, like, he should have noticed that they were gone. And it's... Absolutely. I am disappointed in you, Winston. Um, which yeah. also also how- I love how he speaks to Georgette. Yes, like, me too. And he's like Georgette. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go-, go in there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do that with my cat. I I do. It's funny though. <laughs> it's great. Oh my god. And then that like also kind of leads to another like Winston one is like how did they explain what happened to Winston when they get back? Because you know how like Winston kind of sounds disbelieving over the phone with um with Sykes about the ransom thing. Do they talk on the phone? Yeah, Winston, um, our Sykes calls the household to say, like, oh, we have Sykes, your daughter. yeah. And he's yes. like, yeah, and, like, Winston, I think, over the phone isn't really believing what's going on. And he's like, you better take this seriously. Like, somebody could get hurt. He literally says that to Winston. And he's like, you need oh, to call yeah, the little lady's yeah. father and tell him what's going on. And, like, what, like, did they tell her parents any of this happened? Did they, Were they just like, we're just, like, not going to say anything, you know, so I don't lose my job? But, like, yikes. I feel like Winston just kept it under wraps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And probably. they're just going to come back home and, like, this band of dogs and this random guy is just going to be, like, living in their house. Not yeah. living in their house, well, but just hanging out. That also, I didn't remember the ending that literally Fagin and the dogs just, like, run off, just, like, go off into the distance. I was like, wait, that's it? Like, no follow through? No, like, I'm going to give you some money so you can like have a better life like literally nothing it's just like everybody like stays the same uh kind of like what you mentioned earlier no big changes in the movie other than Oliver's status as a house cat but it's like weird I was like wait you're not gonna give him like anything like he saved your life isn't there at least like isn't there some money we can offer but then that's like a hint to me that they probably didn't tell the parents what happened yes a a that and b like I feel like this movie is like simply like showing like okay like these these people are in different situations and like it's like they're just products of their environment you know like it's not really I don't know like I feel like it takes capitalism and it's like okay like this produces both of these things but like in the end like we're not going to solve it we're just going to show that both of these experiences you know, are valid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Without really, like, trying to tackle the problem, which I, which I get. Yeah, I get it. And I kind of appreciate, like, kind of what you said earlier about that, um, bedtime story moment when they're reading all together and, like, even though they're poor, they're happy. And, like, I- They're so happy. They're so happy, but they're so happy. Yeah, and I do really, watching it this time, I kind of appreciate it, because I was like, yeah, you know, the simple joys in life. Um. Yeah. But I definitely do, I definitely do, um, remember being very upset that um Fagin was still poor at the end like I yeah, remember as, me as a child being upset being upset about that being like wow there really is there's no justice like what is he gonna do I mean he, he doesn't have this guy on his back so maybe things will get better because of that but like 
still, it's rough. Yeah, like, there's no presumption at the end of the movie. There's no hope as to, like, he changes his life around. Like, he's probably just going to go back to what he's already done before. I mean, literally at the end of the movie, he, like, makes that bet that he loses and then, like, doesn't pay up because he has nothing. And it's just, like, that's, like, not a good sign. (laughs) Also, I'm kind of, like, judging Winston. I mean, not that he's, like, you know, on him about it or attacking him about it. But I'm, like, no, he's not going to pay you $20. Like, he doesn't have $20. Like, look at this man. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, weird. I don't know. Um... And those were all my spicy hot takes. Um, so now we move into the ironic question of the podcast of should this be remade? Which, uh, no, I think is where I, I land. You know, I think like just like, um, unless you're going to improve uh, Tito's character, unless they're going to improve maybe like the rags to riches kind of element of it that we were just discussing with Fagin, um, Unless you make it maybe, like, a little bit more friendly, fr- family-friendly with, like, some of the action, some of the danger, some of the references. I feel like just, like, just don't, just don't touch it. <laughs> just don't do anything. Um, please yeah, don't I mean, make a live-action remake. For the love of God, please don't that do that. That would be so freaky. It would be freaky. It would be upsetting. It would all be fake. Literally, the whole thing would just be CGI'd, and it would be horrible. <laughs> There'd be, like, no point. Also, like, could you imagine... Remember those, like, really, the really scary, like, one-eyed dog that chases Oliver, like, in the yes. very opening scene? Oof. And he's, like, clawing at the, at the, um, at the gate mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Imagine that CGI. Like, that would just be too much. Nope. Way too <laughs> it would much. Just be too much. Kids would not be into it. Yeah. And how would you even do, like, the subway sequence? You wouldn't, you couldn't do it. It's too Yeah, unbel- that's another part. Honestly, that, that part when they, like, literally, like, ride up the Brooklyn Bridge <gasps> yes! in the little, like, grocery cart moped that they have is, like, the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm, like, glad it ends on a happy note, but, like, that is, that is ridiculous. Yes. But yes. it's all fun. It's all good and fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally Georgette in that scene when she looks, like, so fucking scared. I'm like, yeah, honey, I feel you. <laughs> you poor soul. Um, well, that's everything. This was a quickie. Um, Thank you, Amber, for coming on the show. I was so happy to get to talk about this with you. I now have, like, a whole new perspective on this movie. I really didn't, like, think about all these, like, philosophical ideas about it. But, like, yeah, this really is kind of like a love letter to New York. And I did Girl, I've just been in a a deep mood lately. Like, we gotta talk. (laughs) Yes, please. Um, And thank you all for listening. Um, Please check out Amber's Instagram account for her cat at Homer the Siberian because he's adorable as shit. I love this cat so much. I'm desperate for COVID to be over so I can meet this cat. If you love Oliver and company, you will love Homer the Siberian. Yes. Uh, And uh, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to your uh, podcast. I love reading your reviews. I love hearing your nice things. So please send that my way. I appreciate it. And then also follow us on Instagram at please don't remake this. Thank you again for listening, and bye. Do you want to say bye? Oh, bye.